Thanks so much for listening. We're really happy to have you guys on. Hey, man, what am I doing? <laughs> Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Welcome back to Think, Act, Get. I'm James Shramko, and here with me is... Ezra Firestone. And when I say here with me, I'm, by that I mean you're in... New York, and I'm in Sydney. So with the marvels of technology, we're able to collaborate and make a podcast show, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it's really cool that, you know, in this day and age, you can be anywhere and run your business. Thanks so much for listening. We're really happy to have you guys on. Man, what am I doing? (laughs) You know what? This is funny. You say you guys, but we have to acknowledge probably a good portion of our listeners will be females. And the thing that I find really interesting is that probably the biggest target for your products and your audience is the female audience. Is that what you normally say in your communications to those people? You know, that's a good point that at this event, most of the people who came up to me were women. Most of the people, I mean, it was a good percentage, but the vast majority, um, I'd say almost every, you know, there, weren't, there were not a whole lot of women in who were even at the event. It, it was, you know, 80% guys and 20% women, but I think I got 15% of those 20% coming up to me and saying, hey, I really enjoyed your presentation. So, you know, I do resonate more with women um, for whatever reason. So I ought to, I ought to drop that lingo. <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing. Today's episode is actually all about communication and what information you're giving people. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, the topic of communication is so huge because it 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 spans your entire business. How are you being perceived? Are you getting through to people? How is it affecting the growth of your business, how you communicate with people and how you're communicated with? It's just a, a huge topic and it's really going to help you if you have attention on it. Okay, so I think this is the perfect opportunity to cover off a couple of stories. Now, earlier in the introduction there, you're talking about the event, and I'm sure our listeners thinking, what what event? What are they talking about? Now, if you go, go back to episode uh, one and two, we were talking about the upcoming event that we were heading off to, and we talked about the mindset around what our expectations were. And Ezra and I have just come back from this event, and it was a fantastic event. There was 1,800 people. Now, the topic of this event was relating to the businesses that we have, which is uh, internet marketing. Now, it doesn't really matter what sort of business you have because these principles will apply for just about any industry. So if you are a florist or you make wine or you have a lawn care business, it won't matter. You can apply the same principles we're talking about. But Ezra and I got to catch up face-to-face and we both had some really interesting experiences around this event and I think we should talk about some of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we should go right into nonverbal communication. And what I want to know is this is something I didn't know this about you. And, and you told me afterwards that you've had so much uh, experience with face-to-face sales and direct selling. But you picked up on how I communicate. Apparently, I'm giving off nonverbal communication cues about certain things that had you able to read me. And I, I didn't expect that. Well, I think this probably stems back to, you know, we have the ability to do this. Uh, we're taking in all this information 
and it's not just the words coming out of someone's mouth. I know there's an often quoted uh, statistic breakdown, and I also know that it's debated a little bit about how much of our communication is the tone of what we're saying as well as the words are apparently like 7% and the tone's something like 38% and then the rest is the the non-verbal stuff. Now, take that for what you want, but the point is, in my old job, I used to sell and before that, I used to debt collect and that involved me being face-to-face with my business partner and it's either I'm collecting a repayment or I am asking for someone to buy something and it was quite an intensive communication and the transaction that we were able to achieve would dictate my future. When I had all these little children at home wanting to be fed and uh, have a roof over their head, if I could get better at my communication, then I was able to be a better performer in my role. I was able to bring in the income and I was able to achieve more. So I started to observe and then seriously study a lot about nonverbal communication. There's this guy in Australia called Alan Peace, and he puts out a book that helps you understand the movements that people make. They're scratching their ear or tugging at their shirt collar. Uh, It might indicate that they're not being completely truthful. And I also used to see in a transaction, if people put their hands down to their chair as if they're going to push up from the chair, I knew that we were coming to the close of the discussion. So you can start to counter that. I'm really interested in it. And so now I watch. I watch politicians on television when they're saying things and the way they're moving their eyes around. And it is interesting to see what people do. But I notice some of the structures that you have with your language, but also the way that you present yourself to people is very, very calming and non-confrontational. And I have no doubt that's why you're appealing to such a broad range of people in your communications. Yeah, I think my strategy is approval and non-judgmental. And that's exactly what you said. Like my goal is to have people feel good about me and have them feel like I'm approving of them. And I think what you're communicating is this little um, thing that I like to say to myself, which is know what you can know. And what that means is like, Know what information is available to you, what's being communicated to you that you can take advantage of. And that goes to everything. Like we were standing in this bar and you pointed out that there was a garbage can in the corner and it was all messed up and there was a bunch of trash there. Well, that's a, that's a piece of information that you can have about this establishment that you're in, that it's, you know, that, that about how it's run. And like there's just these little pieces of information that you can pick up on. And what I'm wondering is how do you choose which ones to pay attention to? Because yes, we have, you know, we're taking in all this information all at once. We're perceiving the world with our five senses and we have to like shut out, you know, it's like, when you're in the um, when you're at a cocktail party and you're talking to someone that you like, all the other sound in the room goes away and you're like it's just like a beam and you're talking to that person. But when you're at the movies and you know the movie's kind of boring and you're not really enjoying it, all of a sudden the people behind you and they're crunching popcorn and they're talking becomes what you have your attention on and becomes what's much more interesting to you. So like you have the ability to non-confront your universe and like block out certain things. And I'm wondering how you choose which ones to pick up on and which one like you know what what are you having your attention on as you're going through the world well we really are in command of like an attention laser beam and you can point it where you want so one of the things that i learned a little bit about was meditation which will sound the exact opposite of that frenetic bringing all the inputs but you'll also remember at the bar i watched the bouncer at the bar drop his telephone twice in a row 
and he was pulling it out to check the time because it was going to be closing time soon. And when I queried him about what time it closes, it was within about 10 minutes. So I accurately predicted that that was why he kept checking his phone because he's in that employee mode, can't wait for the shift to be over. I'm just going to keep checking my phone, but he kept dropping it as well. So he was tired, he was ready to go home and he's the last guy that you want to go over and have a, an argument about why they should stay open for another half an hour while you, they serve you alcohol. <laughs> um, how do you choose? You know, when I go to the movies, if I do hear some rattling of popcorn or whatever, I'll just step further into the movie. I'll go beyond the show that's in front of me and I'll start looking at the camera angles and the composition and the sound effects. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll match up, is this car sound from that car? Why am I looking at a V8 and I'm hearing uh, a V6 turbo car soundtrack and I start looking further into the film for things to interest me? So we can actually control how far we want to go into it. Now, I'll give you the, the scenario where you said something's annoying. I remember catching an aeroplane flight from London to Egypt and I was jammed into this very awkward seat, sort of up against the bulkhead. My knees were sort of touching on the seat in front and I just chose a spot on the wall to just focus on and just let everything else go. And before I could remember anything, we were landing and it was, I can't remember how long the flight was, but it was several hours and I just blocked the whole thing and just sat still and focused on this spot and just let it all go. So I think the ability to to let things go and to completely tune out is as important as the ability to step right in and to zoom in several layers deep. And I think this can be learned. And I know for a fact that I was able to learn most of this under my most difficult job role that I ever had with with a very difficult boss who was super, super fussy and he could spot things that were out of place from a mile. Like he could spot things that were dirty, uh, out of alignment. He was a perfectionist to the, you know, with a capital P. So I had to start getting better acuity. And that's the one word I'd use to describe this, just being more aware of my surroundings. So now I can't help it. When I'm driving, I'm looking like six cars ahead. I can see them all stopping. So I start to slow down before the car in front and before the car in front of me can even see that. And when I'm traveling, I'm watching the people in the crowd. You know, I'm, I'm having a look at at the people uh, in customs, I'm looking at other passengers, I'm looking at the checkout clerk and it allows me to pay better attention to the transactions that I'm having. By the time I step up to the counter to get my luggage checked in, I already know the lady's having a bad day because the three people in front of me have already demanded that they get their uh, refund or they're accusing her of not being able to find the right flight because they don't have time to get to the gate. And by the time I step up, I can make a choice. Am I going to smile and and make her feel that I'm the best passenger of the day or am I just going to pile on the attitude like the two people in front of me? But I already know what sort of day she's having. She doesn't know anything about me when I step up to that counter. You know, that makes me think of, um, you know, here a way that you can apply this to your business, whatever your business is, is given that you know that people – People are non-confronting. People are not necessarily paying attention to you when you're talking. They might be hearing something else. So when you're communicating something to someone or when you're talking to a business associate or a business partner, it's not about what you say. It's about what they hear. And a good communicator takes responsibility for the person that they're talking to 
hearing what they say. So, you know, and the way that you do that is you get confirmation from them. So if you tell them something, if you say something to someone, what you do is you say, you know, you repeat it and you say, did you get that? And then you have them say it back to you. So you can really take responsibility for having people hear you by getting them to confirm with you after you've said something, what you've just said to them. That's a great point. I remember a book called Crystal Clear Communication. And I read this when I was a young manager. And this is essential. I I love what you're saying here. The responsibility for the communication should be with the sender. And you can actually confirm. So this is exactly what we do with my team. When I communicate something, if it doesn't pan out the way that I'd hoped, I will take responsibility for that. I'll actually say, you know what, I probably didn't communicate that effectively. Let's try that again. And then at the end of it, I will ask for confirmation. And I'll say, can you please say that back to me so that I know that I've communicated that effectively? See, I still take responsibility for its effectiveness. Even if they communicate it back to me incorrectly, I'll take responsibility for not delivering the message in a way that made sense to them. Right, right. And, and, and that's, that's why you're a good team leader. Well, it's allowed me to have a team. And not everyone is able to have a team because not everyone is a good enough communicator for it to last. You probably hear people saying, oh, my employees, this or that or terrible or I'm over it or they just don't seem to do what I want or they just don't get it or they don't care about my business as much as I do and all these things. And usually you'd, you'd say, look, go and look in a mirror. It's coming from you. You get the team that you deserve is a saying that I like. You get the team that you deserve and your ability to communicate is going to dictate how well you're going to be able to lead a team. Yeah, and exactly. And your ability to inspire that team, your ability to transmit what your vision is and what your message is. You know, you've told me a lot about how you run your team. And one of the things that I think is so cool about it, and, and one of the reasons I think you're so successful, is because your team knows where you're going. Your team knows what your goals are. Your team is up to date on all the things that you're up to date with. Like you're really in full communication with them about what you are all coming together to do. They're not just little cogs in a machine. They understand the greater vision. And I think that's really important for people who have teams. You know, when we have people that we're working with or people who are working for us, uh, it's really important that everyone be on the same page about what's going on. And, you know, I've had bosses in the past that use terrible techniques with their verbal patterns that just kill and stifle uh, motivation. For example, if we were to uh, polish up 10 cars and put them out on the front lot, the the boss might come in and he might say, so don't you think that those 10 cars are the wrong cars for this time of the year? I'm, think, I'm thinking in my head, well, if I'd have thought that, I wouldn't have put them up there. So he's basically attacking me. <laughs> and he could say it differently. He could, he could say instead, um, okay, I can see these 10 cars here. Do you mind just running me through the thought process behind that so that I can um, understand what's going on here. Now, this is the difference between a process and an event. He's looking at the event, which is 10 cars on the front lot. There was obviously a process that I went through to, to have that event happen. And the further he digs down into the process and understands it, the better we're going to be able to communicate because now he has that magic word, context. He can understand what I was going through. Maybe the 10 cars I would have liked to put there are not available or the ship hasn't arrived and I've, I've only got 10 cars and they're the ones I had to go with. So before he attacks me or makes these judgmental sort of verbal jousts, he could understand the situation better. 
So what I've done with my team is I've created a risk-free environment, which is I pretty much let them do what they think is the best thing to do. And the actions they're doing are because they thought that was the best thing to do. Even if I don't think it was the best thing to do, perhaps I'm missing a piece of context that would explain why they did what they did. Or perhaps they were unaware of something that I'm una- that I am aware of and I haven't explained it to them properly. So this is sort of a, a deeper leadership technique, but it really is around communication and it's about seeking first to understand what's going on and getting all of the information before you come in there with those vicious words. Absolutely. And, you know, surface level uh, on that experience, what happened was, you know, if that person had come to you and they'd, you know, they'd done it the the way that you described in the second version, you'd have felt a whole lot better about them and you'd have been probably more inspired and happier to redo the job however they wanted it. But because they framed it in a negative light, you felt really bad about it and probably didn't want to redo the job or re, you know, put out, pick 10 new cars. And so when you're communicating with people, what I've found, and I, you know, speaking from stage and, and uh, doing webinars and things like that, it's all about how you frame things. So if you're, if you're framing it from a positive standpoint, if you're approving of, of the people who you're communicating with and not judging them and saying, hey, you know, like how you frame what you're communicating uh, is is what creates how people perceive what you're communicating. I totally get it. I'm going to give a simple technique here that I've used many times when it comes to selling, negotiating, working with your team, and it's all about framing. Most people make the mistake of putting themselves on the opposite side of the table. It's like an us and them. It's like, okay, you're trying to buy this and I'm trying to sell it, so we have to negotiate. The simple technique is just get on the same side of the desk. I mean, metaphorically, you don't have to literally sit there, but you can, and that's very powerful from a non-verbal language perspective. But if you can say, okay, we're doing this together. So if the manager or the leader was to side with the employee instead of fight them, then they're doing it as a team. Okay, as a team, let's strategize the best 10 cars to put on that front lot. Or in in the sales environment, okay, Mr. Customer, let's find you the best car, and then we'll We'll go into bat and we'll fight management for a good price later on. You know, they now feel like they're part of a team and that you're doing it together. They don't have to fight you anymore. Even when I was repossessing someone's car, I'd say, I want you to have this car, right? The last thing I want to do is have to take it away. How can we together work on a way for you to come up with a payment agreement that the company will accept so that I can leave this car here right now and then I can hop back in my car and then come back in a week or so when you've got that payment ready. What can we do as a team here to make this possible? And then you put, you're put putting yourselves together. You're trying to make this work. Now, you naturally did this at the event. You were the feature speaker on the, a huge topic. You are talking about e-commerce, but you actually sided with the audience and said, I'm going to help you with your store. And they resonated with that. And I imagine that you've been heavily sought after as soon as you stepped down from stage and you've got a standing ovation. So I can see that that connection took place. It was, you know, the response that I got from this event was, I did not expect this much of a response. So I broke it down the way that when you're running Facebook advertisements for your business, Facebook will show you, you got this many clicks, this many video views, you know, they show you your social actions. So I went and I added up all the social actions I got from speaking at this event. How many people emailed me? How many people Facebook messaged me? How many people added me on LinkedIn? How many products I sold? 
I'm up over 850 transactions total, social transactions from this event, which probably would have taken me a year in any other way. And so I think that getting yourself up in front of people, you know, when you're speaking in front of a group, you're automatically sort of communicating that you're an expert, like you're perceived as an expert because you are the one talking to the group. And it's kind of a cool situation if you can set yourself up that way. Oh, it's a fantastic scenario. <laughs> and I sort of did set myself up that way, which is funny because in our last episode, we were talking about my goal was to give a way to as many people as possible some of my information so that they could find out more about me. As it turned out, the night before the first day, the event facilitator asked me if I could share a few slides, which since there was 1,800 people, I absolutely said, of course, I would love to do that. And from a mindset perspective, if you are a subject matter expert, if you have presented before, there should be no reason why you can't just on the spur of the moment say, hell yeah, I'd like to stand up in front of 1,800 people. And I was able to share probably 10 10 or 15 minutes worth of information. And from that, I've had lots of approaches and social interaction and, and people coming to me saying that they saw my presentation, they, they loved it, or they've joined my Facebook, they've hopped onto the podcast, and they're probably even listening to this. And that is a result of having the openness to accept that huge input of change or pr- prospective uh, destiny change by just standing up in front of 1,800 people and delivering as much as I can to help them in the shortest amount of time possible and you did something very deliberate and effective, which uh, we talked about and worked so well, which is at an event where you can't make a, uh, a literal sale at the end of your presentation, then the biggest sale you want to make is the idea that people should come and approach you and you specifically asked for that and you earned it. And that is why you've created what I call a pull market. You've informed and communicated with people that you would like to have an interaction and you've brought them to you. You know, that's really important too because what I didn't expect as a speaker at events is that most of the crowd kind of is somewhat like fearful of you. They don't come up to you all the time. They kind of, you know, like off you get people who follow you into the bathroom. You get people who really rabid about you, but a lot of people won't come up to you because they don't want to bother you or whatever. So by just saying, hey guys, you know, I'm here to help. I would love to talk to you about your business. I'd love to know what you're up to. Please feel free to come up to me. Uh, it worked really, really well. I got a whole, you know, had a line of people waiting to talk to me. So it was great. And, and that was a tip that, that uh, I got from you. So thanks for that. And I'll tell you what else. You know, my mom was there and she's a tough critic, man. And, and when you got off stage, she was like, I like that guy. He really, you know, delivered. So you impressed my mom, which, which is not easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I'm looking, I'd love to get a testimonial. <laughs> so Ezra's mom. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? We've got a fair bit of stuff here. Uh, you got anything else in the story section? Yeah, let me tell one last one, which has to do with uh, value judgments. So, uh, you know, a value judgment is something – you're making these value judgments. You, ma- you make value judgments all day long, every day, and some of them carry positive charge. Others carry negative charge. So, for example, if you walk into a room and you think it's hot in here or it's cold in here or, man, I really like that person's shirt, like those are judgments that you're making. Or if someone steps on your toe and you think, man, that really wasn't nice, I didn't like that, didn't feel good, that carries negative charge. And so 
what the way that you create the way that distance happens in relationships with people like relationships with your team for example if one employee continues to make a mistake and you continue to be upset about it you never talk to him about it or if there's a business partner of yours who has this quirk that you really don't like and you just judge it negatively and never talk to them about it all of building up negative value judgments is what creates distance and ends relationships so the way to sustain your relationships is when you notice that you're judging someone negatively or when you notice that you don't feel good about someone, you just handle it straight away. You just talk to them about it. You just say, hey, you know, this is, you know, like, let's let's get straight on this now. Let's run this to ground. And if you're willing to communicate in the moment about what you're feeling, your relationships with, with your business partners, with your significant others, with whoever, anyone in your life are going to be uh, much more, are going to be much longer, are going to be sustainable, and are going to be much better because you're being straight with that person in the moment about how you feel. There you go. Awesome. Well, what a grab bag of stories this week. And I think it was, you know, our aim is to bring relevant, true stories that are happening in our life right now, which is great when we have a, a, I guess, a weekly episode. Uh, And if you're listening to this episode sometime in the future, then hopefully you've enjoyed this uh, journey so far. Right. So now it's time for the weekly willpower wager report. Weekly willpower wager. So, uh, you know, <laughs> James, I'd like you to do this one because, you know, you, you basically invented this and I'm going to join in this wager this week because it's about time that I get on this. Um, I haven't actually started yet, but I've seen the results. I've seen what people are doing with it and I'm excited about it. So, Okay, this is something that has really transformed my mastermind group and it started from a customer request. Someone asked me to just post what I'm doing each day so they can go behind the scenes because I don't even know what I'm doing that that they find so interesting. But it apparently it could be something as mundane as what equipment do I put in my backpack when I travel? You know, they like that so much that I made a video on that. <laughs> so in our Silver Circle Mastermind, which is my mastermind, every day I post what I've done. So I will actually post that I recorded a podcast today. And then I'll post that I edited and I might talk about who I gave it to or what equipment we used or whatever. And the people in the community find this interesting. And then some others ventured forth and started posting what they do. And then I created a whole section called Fly on the Wall. And now almost everyone in my mastermind every day does a little journal of what they're up to. And we can sort of drift across and watch each other's Fly on the Wall and make comments and it's become like an enriched two-way journal it's not just a one-way street now people ask questions or they they ask for more definition or they answer a challenge someone might post that they uh you know they're discussing analytics or something with with an expert tomorrow and another person might say oh do you mind sharing the details of that person it's really really great so i think for seven days i recommend that our listener would journal what they're doing each day, even if it's just a few bullet points. And even if they were just to do it to their Facebook wall, you know, today, and post something about why you did it, not just what you're doing, but why. What's the next layer of understanding behind that? Why did you make that decision to do this? Or what was it specifically that drove you to go and try Indian cuisine tonight? And see if you can engage people around you and have some commentary and I bet you that you'll have more understanding about yourself, but also people around you will have more understanding about you. And I think this will improve 
your communications with the people in your immediate vicinity. Absolutely. And it's a good point about Indian cuisine. It does not have to be just about your business. It's why are you doing the things in your life that you're doing? What's motivating you? Anything. Like why did you choose yogurt over cereal? Or uh, why did you decide to go mountain bike riding instead of walking? Uh, These things, you know, and it's interesting. People will find out things about you that they didn't know. (laughs) Like I wrote in my post yesterday, Watched, watched, uh, uh, recorded a video, edited it, made a podcast episode, went hunting, cooked dinner. And then, now, hang on, what do you mean went hunting? Like Katniss Everdeen? <laughs> I'm like, yes, exactly. I grab my bow and arrow and I walk around my property hunting. And I do that every day. So it's just one little thing like that that, that people discover and then it, it helps enrich that understanding of you and you know i was listening to an episode from pat flynn yesterday on his podcast turns out he he likes archery and i now know that i've got something in common with him because he shared this detail so two podcasters who both like bows and arrows there you go i wouldn't have known that unless it was discussed or mentioned somewhere You know, that's a really good point, and that goes right back to context. You know, what you're willing to share about your life with people gives them context about who you are, and you find out about all this crazy stuff that you have in common, which gives you a lot of fun things to talk about and enriches the relationships and then enriches the business relationships. So let's move on to news and updates. Uh, This week... I am setting up to launch the Smart Marketer Mastermind, which is my mastermind, which is basically formulated after James's Silver Circle Mastermind, which I'm a member of and I love, and it's the best mastermind. I'm in a lot of masterminds, you guys. I'm in like every mastermind, SEO masterminds, all kinds of masterminds, and Silver Circle is just such a good mastermind. It's so good. It works so well. I'm experiencing so much growth, and James is actually helping me launch my own mastermind this week, giving me templates and coaching me through how to do it. It's just awesome, so I'm really excited about that, and, uh, and we came back from this event that you've been hearing about, we learned a ton and we're going to do an interview about it on Superfast Business. So check out Superfast Business Podcast for that interview about the event. If you're interested in events and event marketing and how to work events, how to put on events, how to attend events and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was that was good. And I think the whole, um, the, the mastermind that you're forming will be a lot of fun because you're such a character, if you don't mind me saying. I think this that you will draw some very interesting people in that mastermind. Where can people go and uh, register their interest? Yeah, you can go and register your interest at smartmarketer.com forward slash mastermind. There you go. Uh, and in my, in my mastermind, people just go to silvercircle.com. There's a uh, registration there i'll send out business videos and stuff but it's not open very often right now you got the best chance of joining ezra's mastermind okay now uh, we're up to episode three here ezra the first episode i actually uh, edited in the plane on the way to the event i submitted the podcast to itunes while i was in my hotel room at the event and it's currently in the approval process so if you're listening to this on itunes it's obviously been approved but other people have gone directly to thinkactget.com and they've listened to it there where we podcast it. And we've had some comments. Would you like to tell us about some of those? Absolutely. We had Desrianne say, great episode. I like how dynamic it is and not one subject all the way through. Definitely one I'll keep listening to. Thank you, Desrianne. We appreciate having you as a listener. 
Next, we had Julianne who said, I enjoyed podcast number one, and I'm looking forward to following you on this journey. Thanks, Julianne. We appreciate that. And this really is a journey. This really is, you know, something that we're doing together, a test that we're doing. We're going to see how it works out. And so far, it's going really well, and we're enjoying it. And we really appreciate all of you coming on this ride with us. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually really enjoying this. And it's the purpose of this podcast is to, to really tap into more of that uh, the core stuff that I think really makes a difference in somebody's life, um, that the mindset is just critical. And every documentary that I've seen, every successful biography of people who are doing amazing things, you'll always find something around mindset there. And that really drives our behavior and our behavior gets us the results we get. And you know, I had this discussion with a guy who brought me back from the airport yesterday in uh, the limo. When I arrived back in Sydney after a long flight, 14 hours or so from Los Angeles, it's nice to have a guy standing there to just grab my bag, wheel it over to the car and drive me home to my house and have a chat. And this guy, he trades his time for dollars. He's in a J-O-B. So his mindset has locked him into that job. You know, he's talking about as we get close in my house, he goes, oh, wow, you know, big houses around here. Um, you must be uh, lucky and, uh, you know, what do you do? So he starts to talk and investigate this. But then the further you dig into it, the more I find that he's not, he's not actually inspired enough to, to change what he's doing. He's not likely to achieve a different lifestyle because – He's accepted that what he's doing is the limit of, of where he can take himself and it's really kind of sad. So I gave him a few pointers. In fact, I'm writing a book at the moment which I hope that I would be able to direct people towards and for them to fast track to, to get to a, a better outlook. But this mindset and behavior thing, it's just so critical. So my real goal with this because I'm doing okay financially as you are, Ezra, is to help more people and... I am definitely driven by comments. I like the comments. Even if they're negative comments, at least we're having an impact. Um, but we, we haven't, uh, haven't had any. We, we, Eric said, uh, coolest podcast I've heard all month. I want more, <laughs> which is really nice as well. And uh, we've had a couple of, couple of kind things. Nadia said, we just listened. It's great, really useful information. So thank you for those kind comments. And when we get up on iTunes, hopefully that will be uh, the place where people can leave some nice comments and we'll make sure to mention them in the show. Absolutely. And I just want to add to that. You know, you said this podcast for us is about mindset, behavior, and results, right? Think, act, get. And that really is our goal is to help you, is to share with you what's working for us so that you can use it to improve your life and your business. And with that, let's jump right in to think about it which is the quote, and we've got two today. James, you can hit us off with the first one. Okay, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity by Seneca, the Roman philosopher. And if you think about what we just talked about at the event, I was lucky to be able to speak in front of 1,800 of my peers, but really it was me being prepared and when I'm actually talking to the event facilitator, and uh, I have got in my room a laptop with some slides on it that could be repurposed for the event. It's easy for me to say, hey, I do have some stuff that I think the audience would find valuable. And for him to say, sure, dude, flick up some slides and talk about it tomorrow. 
it really was preparation meeting opportunity. It wasn't just by chance. I wasn't just walking past the stage and they grabbed me and lifted me up in shock and saying, can you speak about this? Even though I would actually be ready for that, it didn't happen that way. Uh, and that's a great quote. What do you got for us, Ezra? I've got Fight Fair But Avoid Fair Fights by John Sapiel. And you know, that is kind of almost the same thing as the quote before. If you think about about fighting fair, right? You wanna you wanna run your business with integrity. You you don't wanna you know be diabolical and do sneaky things, but you also wanna set yourself up in the best possible position. So, for example, take this podcast. You know, I, I'm uh, James is a mentor of mine, and I've been studying with him for a while now. And one of the one of the uh, pieces of advice he's been giving me is, "Hey, man, you ought to get on this channel called Podcast. You really, it's a good channel. There's cool people there. You'll really enjoy it." But you know, I've avoided a fair fight by joint venturing with him and doing a podcast with James, who has a platform, who understands podcasts better than I do. So I'm fighting fair, but I'm also setting myself up uh, to have an advantage over the people who I'm, you know, in competition with in business. So, right. So you brought a shotgun to a knife fight. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I think this podcast is great fun, and I I'm a big fan of the podcast medium. So we're out there, and we've got some good podcasting friends. If any of our other uh, podcasting friends are interested in talking to us about this, then we'd be happy to reciprocate as well because I think as a medium, it's educational, it's certainly priced right, and it is allowing people to access this stuff when, you know, in, just replace one TV show with one podcast and keep doing that and you'll have an enriched life. That's my philosophy on it. Let's move into tag tips. That's our think, act, get tips. And we've got mindset and strategy. Tip number one. So this is big. This is huge. This is enormous. This is gigantic. Uh, it's the difference between <laughs> being interested and being interesting, right? You go into it. You're going to events. You're networking with people. Why is it that some people seem to know everybody? Seem to do really well in conversations. Some people seem to do really well in their relationships with other people. Well, it's the difference between being interested and being interesting, right? We're taught in our culture that being interesting, uh, doing, you know, learn. Learning a lot of fancy tricks, you know, uh, playing basketball, having good jobs, like being interesting people is what's going to have us uh, have other people like us. But it's actually the opposite of that. That's true. Being interested in other people, having your attention on the people around you and how you can best serve them and being interested in what's going on in their lives and their businesses is really, and in your customers, being interested in your customers. How can you best serve your customers? What's going on with them? Not trying to have them be interested in you because you're cool or you have something to offer, but really having your attention on being interested in them. Uh, interested wins 100% of the time. So Love it. I like this uh, philosophy of being curious. You know, I saw at this event, there was uh, a couple of people with interesting hair, you know, like mohawks or leopard, whatever. I never got to speak to those people, but I thought they must be singing out to everyone to, to look at me. Uh, you know, they were interesting but they weren't interested, I guess. I don't know them. Never got a chance to meet them. But if you ask questions and you're curious, you're going to get a lot further. Now, let's talk systems. I'm going to suggest that we delegate responsibilities that are teachable. So in other words, when I get to a point in my business where I'm the biggest constraint, which is very often, <laughs> I realize you know, I should only be doing things that only I can do or that I really love. 
And one of the biggest constraints I have in my business right now is editing videos and audios. And I've got a lovely, talented team of people who have got the hardware and the desire to be able to do this. So my process is I will put all of my raw videos onto a hard drive and I'll go over to my team in a few weeks and I'll sit down with my top editors and I'll do these edits together and show them what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I'll give the understanding. And once I've passed that ethos across, the result that I'm looking for is that they will be able to edit from then on and my role will be simply to take the raw footage. You know, For me to talk to you and put both sides of the conversation into a Dropbox and the team will take over. So in a few episodes from now, what you'll be listening to is what my team are, are producing, not me. And that means that suddenly I'll have nothing to do again. I'll actually have to go and do something productive or maybe go hunting. Who knows? But the point is, if someone can do something as well as I can, or in many cases better, there's no reason I should be doing it unless I absolutely love it. You know, if you love mowing your lawn, if it gives you a sense of art or accomplishment, do it. It's fine. I'm not saying you don't have to. But I'm saying if you don't love it, if you find that the petrol and the oil gets on your hands and then you have the, you've got to sharpen the blades on the mower or the noise is deafening, you know, or it's just too hot outside and you want to employ the services of a professional lawn mowing expert, do that and do something else with your time. Go and swim in the pool with the family or take your wife to a movie. Do something that you get a rich reward for that no one else can do. No one else uh, can be you on a, on a podcast like this. Only you can be you. They're the things you can still do. Absolutely. So like what is the highest leverage use of your time in your business is what you should be looking at. And whatever, whatever you can outsource to someone else and have them do just as well as you, you should be doing that. And one of the ways, I just want to give you a framework that James actually taught me that I've been using with, with my team, which is I do it, we do it, you do it. So I do something or I shoot a video about how to do something and then we do it together through screen ca- through screen capture or however you're doing however you're working with your team if they're virtual or not and then they do it. So that framework's been really helpful for me uh, in training my team to be able to take over certain processes that we have going on. Yeah, and I'll just add to that small batch sizes. Make sure when you do the I we you that you just work on one small piece of information and you review the first output. Don't let them do 10 and then look at 10 at once because if they've made an error, you haven't been a very effective communicator. (laughs) They have to redo 10 and the time cost of that is frightening. And I've seen this happen. In fact, I've seen people have to redo 60 videos because their team member used a royalty-protected music track. So just ask to review the very first sample. In fact, if you can make a sample and say this is the benchmark that all others will be measured against, then get the first returned sample back and then compare it to the benchmark and say approved because it meets the benchmark. Get the second one approved. If you can do this several times in a row, then you've passed that, you've delegated it forever. That's really good. I'm going to use that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sending samples currently. Tip number three is lifestyle. Now, this goes back to speaking on stage in front of 1,800 people. This tip is to, and this is actually a quote from a guy named Vic Barranco, face the inevitable with joy. 
And what that means is that you have now set yourself up. You are going to be speaking in front of these 1,800 people, right? You've set, the, you've set up whatever you've set up in your life. You're going to have the experiences you're going to have, so you might as well enjoy them. You might as well face whatever experience you've set up your, for yourself with joy. So backstage, before I was about to go on in front of 1,800 people, I could have freaked out and you know had gotten nervous or you know chose to have a whole number of experiences. But what I decided to do was really enjoy it and be like, wow, this is going to be really cool. And that had me feel really good about being on stage. And had me calm down because I made the deliberate choice to face the situation I was in with joy. And that you did, my friend. So that pretty much wraps us up for this episode. Let's just have a little recap here. The topic was communication. We addressed what information are you giving people that perhaps you're not even aware of, and how are you being perceived? How's it affecting the growth of your life and your business? And hopefully in this episode, we've covered some ideas that will help you to be a better communicator, a better leader, and also to be able to receive more information than you even knew you were taking in and to pay some focus to that, put some attention on it, develop your sense of acuity, and we hope you have a wonderful week. Be sure to post comments where you see this show, and we'll be back to you soon. Thanks, Ezra. Thanks, James, and thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to hearing from you, so please do let us know what you think. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free. It's free.